Here we go. Today's daf is daf Lamed Ches, page thirty-eight in the Heligim Masechus Kedushin, and we are on daf Lamed Zayinam Abayz, and we are up to Maishav de Kosav Rachmana Gabe Chelav Vidam. Okay, so this is maybe about two thirds of the way down on Lamed Zayinam Abayz on thirty-seven uh, B. Okay, and what we're focusing on over here specifically is the mitzvah of, or we'll call the prohibition of chadash, of eating from the new grain. And a lot of it has to do with the way that we're darshaning up when the Torah used the word maishav to dwell. What is that referring to? Is it referring to dwelling in Eretz Yisrael? Does it mean to dwell anywhere in the world? So that's where we're going to pick up. All right. So here we go. When the Torah writes the prohibition of eating certain fats of a uh, domesticated large animal, okay. So there are certain fats that are called chelav. They are uh, forbidden to eat. We know that it's forbidden to eat blood from an animal as well. So it uses the word maishav. Where does it say it? So, if you look on, um, if you look, no, it's not over here in the uh, in Torah Rasholim. So in Vayikra, it says that it's an eternal decree. Chukas Eilam Bechol Maishvaisechem. It's an eternal decree in all your dwelling places. Kol Chela Vedam Loisechelu. All forbidden fats and blood you're not allowed to eat. So again, we use this expression of dwelling. Says the Gemara, why do we use the expression of dwelling if dwelling can sometimes imply in Eretz Yisrael? We know it's a prohibition to have dam or chelav anywhere in the world. And for the Gemara, itchrich, I need the word maishav, or in, in the specific term, maishvayseichem, why? Since the Iker, the main prohibition of forbidden fats and blood is written when it comes to sacrifices, I would think only when there's a base on Mikdash and there's forbidden fats on that, that uh, could be brought on top of them when the Chalev is brought on the Mizbeach. That's where it's also. But when there's no base on Mikdash, maybe actually Chalev Adam, maybe blood would be permitted. Once the Chorban bias happened, it'll be absolutely mutters. Therefore, the Torah lets us know that Meishvaisechem applies anywhere, even when we are out in Gullus. Okay, says the Gemara. Well, listen to this. If you look in the Torah Shalim on the side, yeah, where he lists the Psukim, um, so it says in Aleph. You see the Pasuk by Aleph? Yeah, on the left side of the page. It says, so I'm just going to just quote the verses for us. So it says, Okay? It says, um, you should, um, the, the, where am I? In the second month, the 40th day of the month, in the afternoon, you should bring the carbon Pesach. You should eat it with matzah and mar. Okay. Um, Fine. So, with that introduction, let's get into the Gemara. The Gemara says, Maishav, the Kosav Rachmana, Gabi Matzah Umar Lomali. When it says the word Maishav, when it comes to Matzah Mar, why do I need that? Why do I need that Pasuk? Now, you might ask, where does it say the word, uh, where does it say the word Maishvay Sechem? Okay? So later on, it says, Kom Maishvay Sechem, Seichlu Matzah. In all your dwelling places, 
you should eat matzah. The question here is why we're referring to the word Maishvesechem. Again, if Maishvesechem can imply Eretz Yisrael only, and we know there's a mitzvah to have matzah everywhere. It answers the Gemara Itchrich, it's necessary to use the word there as well. And again, if it's necessary, that means we don't we shouldn't learn it up to mean only Eretz Yisrael. I have a reason why I'm writing Maishvesechem. Why? So, I mean, I would have thought so. Since the state in Pasuk, the, what we just learned. That the carbon pesach should be eaten on matzah. You know when there's a mitzvah matzah? Have a listen to this. Listen to this. It's very important. At the Pesach Seder, we have matzah and mar, and then we have Hillel telling us to have the matzah mar sandwich. When did they eat the matzah mar sandwich? Or what's attempting to be a sandwich before it all ends up on the floor? Yeah, probably wins the award as the world's messiest sandwich. Yeah, the, uh, the Kairach sandwich. But, uh, you know, in the, I'm sure in the times of Hill, they had a lafa and it was all wrapped up. So what they did was they would take mamish like a lafa that was baked within 18 minutes, a soft lafa, and they would take the, the we'll call it the shawarma. They took the carbon pesach, the, the meat, and they took the maror. They entered the, uh, the mar, the horseradish and or the lettuce, wrap it all together. You have a festa wrap, gishmaka wrap. Now, that was the way that the carbon pesach was meant to be eaten. The meat was meant to be eaten together with matzah uh, and, and mar. So I would think like this. When is there a mitzvah dairaisa to eat matzah? When you have a carbon pesach. When you got your shawarma sandwich. Who ever heard of a shawarma sandwich with no meat? You can eat just plain matzah and mar. Says the Gemara, I would think when is there a mitzvah dairaisa to eat matzah? When you also have a carbon pesach. Otherwise not. Kamash Malan, therefore the Torah lets us know in all your dwelling places to teach me even when there's no carbon Pesach. Unfortunately, like this past Pesach, this year, Pesach, we should be Zaycha to have the carbon Pesach together with the Matzah. There's always a, a mitzvah dairaisa. Okay, let's keep going. Now, what we're going to do, if you notice the pattern, we're listing numerous places in the Torah where it says the word and we're trying to understand the reason why it says that's uh, this specific expression. Says the Gemara, Bia the Kasev Rachmana Gabetzul Nepetach Hamar Lamali. It says the word about like coming to Eretz Yisrael. So when it says coming to Eretz Yisrael, it uses this word when as referring to the mitzvah of Tefillin, like we learned earlier, and by the mitzvah of the Petach Hamar of redeeming the firstborn. Now, the mitzvah of Tefillin applies. Even to us. We put on tefillin today, Baruch Hashem. It applies to us outside Eretz Yisrael. The mitzvah of a firstborn donkey outside Eretz Yisrael. So why does it say, when you come to the land, it's got nothing to do with coming to the land. In any land, you were tefillin. Answers the Gemara. It's needed for the limit of Tanah Debeir Bishmol. You're right, it doesn't mean that the mitzvah tefillin is only in Eretz Yisrael, but you know what it's telling me? One of the mitzvahs that has the potency of bringing us back to Eretz Yisrael is the mitzvah of tefillin and the mitzvah of performing the redemption of the firstborn. These are mitzvahs, like other mitzvahs, but in a very unique way, that allow us to kisavayu, to come back to Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Says the Gemara. This is understandable when the Torah uses the word Maishav to dwell. It means anywhere. 
It says they ate from the produce of the land on the day after Pesach, which means they ate from it after Pesach, but not before Pesach. They were not allowed to eat from the um, from the uh, produce of the land. Now remember, this is referring to Chadash and Yasham. The second day of Pesach, the 16th day of Nisan, that's when the Korban is brought. And once the Korban is brought, now Chadash, now all the grain becomes Yashan. It becomes called all the grain. And Shalom al Yisrael, and everything's out. Yeah? So that's your allowed to eat. So Only the second day of Pesach you're allowed to eat, not, not before him. Alma, you see from here, Tapadaf Lamarchez, here we go. Akruva Aimer Badar Achel, we're dealing with the carbon Aimer. And then afterwards, they were permitted to eat from the grain. But before the carbon Aimer was brought, which means the first day of Pesach. There was no, you weren't allowed to bring the grain. But according to the opinion who says, that what does Maishav mean? After Mamish settling into Eretz Yisrael, Nechol Alter, let them eat the grain right away. Why they wait until after Pesach? See, we said, when we came into Eretz Yisrael, so Yeshua told Klal Yisrael, Chevra, I know everybody's hungry, and we're all going to want to eat, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. You're going to have to wait till the second day of Pesach when we bring the carbon Eimer. Here's the problem. If you hold that Maishav means the mitzvah of eating Yashan, or we'll call it the prohibition of eating the new grain, is only once I'm dwelling, when should the prohibition have started? The prohibition of new grain, when should it have started? Right when we enter the land? Or 14 years later, after we conquered and divided and gavalt? Now everybody's settled in. So if you hold Maisha of Mamish means to be settled in, why do Yeshua tell them to wait till the second day of Pesach that first year? Let them eat right away. What's the problem? You don't dwell here yet. You're not settled in. You guys don't have homes. It's a gavaldic, a bam kasha. Yeah? Again, you hear the kasha. Let's, let's repeat it. There's a beautiful kasha. Frek the Gemara. Again, the Gemara says like this. We have a machlekas, how to translate Maisha. Vosmeit. What does it mean? Does it mean anywhere? Or does it mean settled in Eretz Yisrael? So he said, one opinion is Maishav means to, to settle anywhere. Seder. According to the opinion that Maishav means to settle in Eretz Yisrael. Why do Yeshua tell Klai Yisrael, don't eat from the new grain yet? Of course I could. For the next 14 years, I'm allowed to eat from the new grain. Here we go. Says the Gemara. Gavaldik. 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 Just delicious question. And for the Gemara, the Gemara answers, Loi Havatzrichi. Says the Gemara, Loi Havatzrichi, which means they didn't eat it. They didn't eat it till the next day, Bechlau. Okay, why not? What, what sustained B'nai Yisrael in the Midbar? We ate the Mun for 40 days, which is fascinating. But for 40 years, fascinating. Did we have the Mun the entire 40 years? What happened when we first entered? Okay. They ate the Mun until they came to the borderland of Canaan. It's, it's impossible to say. That it's referring to their coming to the land of Eretz Yisrael. Shekvar Namar al Katsay Eretz Kanan. It already said they ate the mon until they crossed the border into the land of Kanan. Okay, so here's the problem. Did we eat mon? When did we stop eating mon? Entering Eretz Yisrael when we came to the border. Shekvar Namar al Katsay Eretz Kanan. Viav Shalem al Katsay Eretz Kanan. And you can't say that they only ate mon until they came to the border. Of Eretz Yisrael, because the Pasuk also says, They had Mun until they came into the land they were going to settle in. 
So Haketzad, which one was it? When did we stop eating man? Did we stop eating man when we hit the border? Or did we stop eating man when we were in Eretz Yisrael already? After the toll booth. When did it stop? Haketzad. So how do we, how do we far for? How do we, how do we answer this discrepancy in the psukim? No, but even even inside they, they, they shouldn't have been able to eat because they, they weren't weren't settled. Yeah, nachon. But the, the, it, it's not a, it's not a matter of allowed to. The question is, when did the month cease? When did Hashem stop sending down money? Oh, what the month? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, confused. yeah. We're referring to the month. When did when did Hakadosh Baruch Hu stop sending down money? That's a, that's what we're trying to history lesson over here. Says the Gemara, "Bishiva ba'ador meis ma'isha upasak me mon lerid." Actually, on the seventh day of Adar, the mon stopped coming. Ma'isha Rabbeinu passed away, and the mon stopped. Vahiy mistapkimi mon shebechleya machisha shabnisan. But they had enough mon that was left over until the uh, until the sixteenth day of Nisan. Okay, which was the second day. Um, Seder. Now, what's interesting to note over here is that generally, and obviously it changed at the end, generally the mun spoiled daily. The mun spoiled, the mun would spoil daily. You couldn't eat mun for more than one day when people would hoard mun. So it would spoil, it would spoil right away. But apparently at the end, on the one where Banjam sent the mun at the end, it didn't end up. Uh, it didn't end up spoiling. It spoil. It's a fascinating concept. Fascinating concept, and you know the Bali Musar get into why the mun became such what we call in yeshivish a krich. It became such a headache for many in Bnei Yisrael because a lot of guys in yeshiva don't like the mashkiach because the mashkiach in yeshiva, his job, his responsibility is to give you musar. And I don't want to know all the time where I'm holding. I, I, yeah, tell me, tell me later. Not right now. But it's the mashkiach zechrayis to tell me now. The mun was a daily mashkiach. It gave hashkacha every day about how I did my previous day. I wake up the next morning, depending on how I, who I was, and where I am. That's where the mun landed. Not so much work. That's not bad. They had to go in, and and the yidden. It, it was mom. They said zecharnu. Like we remember, we remember the the fish. We remember the grain. We remember everything in Mitzrayim, even though it came with work. But like, it, it didn't have like the constant like. Oh, Hashem's happy with me. Hashem's uh, feels like we doing a little better. It's not easy to live every single day, letting you know where you're at. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Halavai. You know, we dream of such things. Imagine if we had one navi, one prophet. To just guide us along and tell us where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, but when you have something that's a lot, it could also right. You start uh, it starts to change. It was a tiny on Klal Yisrael for for complaining about this, but be it as it may, let's get back to our, our main point over here, and that is the month in general spoiled. But over here, the month did last long term. Tanya idach. We learned in another brayso of Bnei Yisrael. Achul asam manar bam shana. Bnei Yisrael ate the month for forty years. Vchiar bam shana. Achul. Did they really eat month for forty years? Hold on, hold on. Let's learn some history together. It should have been 39 years and 11 months. Why? Because we just said that it stopped on the 16th day of Nisan. Okay? I'm sorry. We left Mitzrayim and it was a month later when the month started. The month began coming on the next day. So the first month we didn't have. 
It was only when we ran out of flour and we didn't have matzah anymore. So why did it say for 40 years? Fascinating. Hashem sent down man for 39 years and 11 months. However, the first month, all the matzah had the flavor of man. And therefore, the flavor of man was there for 40 years. Tanya Idach. We learned their by similarly. He was born. The servant of Hashem passed away over there. They cried over Maisha for 30 days. And it came to pass after Maisha Ever Hashem passed away. Maisha, my servant, passed away. And now you, Yeshua, it's time to get up and cross over the Arden, enter Eretz Yisrael, Uksiv Ivru Bekarev Hamachana, walk through the camp. Prepare food. For another three days, you're going to pass over the So you go back thirty-three days. If you do the math, you deduct 33 days from the 10th day of Nisan. You're going to end up, right, 7th of Adar to the 10th day of Nisan the next month, 33-day difference. So we know that his yard site was on Zion Adar. Now, how do I know his birthday was on Zion Adar, was on the 7th day of Adar? Listen to this, Chavra. We asked the Shaila in Shul, a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to throw it out over here because it's mamish. If you come up with a good answer, let me know. Listen to this. Maish Rabbeinu says, I am 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to be mechadesh my taira. I can't come up with any more chadush. My Rashi in the parsha says, I can't come in and out and learning. I'm not growing anymore. I'm not developing. My day to pass has come. It didn't need to say, I'm 120 years today. You know why the Shreven could have said? I'm 120 years old. Why today? HaKadosh Baruch Hu sits and completes the years of Tzadikim month to month, day to day, meaning it's a simen toiv, it's a, it's a sign of righteousness. When a person passes away on the same date as the day of birth, Shanamar, as it says, Esmispar Yamechamali, a righteous person, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, will live out their full years. So if you have a decree for 120 years, you'll live out 120 years. Now, here's the question that we asked, and that is as follows: This verse is a contradiction because, on one hand, it seems to imply. That Maishu Rabbeinu died on the same date that he was born. If he died the same Hebrew date that he was born, that means he lived 120 years and a day. You get the question? To live a full year means, means that on the last day, that's the completion, the last day of your 120th year or 119th year of life, the last day 
is complete. If you pass away the day later, you didn't live an exact 120 complete years. You lived 120 complete years plus a day and a day. So what is it? Did he live 120 complete years and Zehu? If you pass away on your birthday, you lived an extra day. Because your birthday is already the start of the next year. Interesting, Shiloh. Okay. A few tirutsim, a few answers that... I, I asked this question uh, Friday night in Shul. I saw this from Reb Naftali Heinemann, Shlita, who asked, uh, he asked this question in, uh, his, uh, in the Sefer that his family published um, from various questions that he, he, discussed, uh, he discussed with his children. Um, there's a few different answers. I'll, just, I'll mention one. Again, it's not you know, a specific proof to this, but it could be that he lived 120, maybe he was referring to um, like hour by hour, minute to minute. In other words, let's say Moshe Rabbeinu died, three, maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was born 3 p.m. on Zion Adar. So then if he passed away 3 p.m. 120 years later, so then, in other words, if, if you change the date to the hour, then it actually makes sense. That's an interesting approach, an interesting mahalach, maybe. I don't know. Somebody could think of something else. But it's an interesting, uh, interesting thing to think about. Okay, here we go, Vaita. There were three mitzvahs that Bnei were commanded to do as they entered Eretz Yisrael, and they apply both in Eretz Yisrael and Chuzlars. Vuadin Sheyinagu, and the uh, and Akavachaymer lets us know that it uh, applies everywhere. Which is not usher forever, which means every year comes the second day of Pesach. All the grain becomes permitted. And it's no prohibition of benefiting from it. Yeah, you're only not allowed to eat from the new grain. You're allowed to benefit from the new grain. And eventually the prohibition becomes permissible. And that is that applies inside Eretz and outside Eretz when it comes to forbidden fruits, when it comes to planting forbidden, like, you know, co- planting seeds that are not allowed to be planted together, grapes and wheat and so on and so forth, and those things you're not allowed to benefit from, and it's always prohibited. It's a much stronger prohibition. How much more? So, shouldn't go be embarrassed? If Chadash, which is a lighter prohibition, applies outside there to Israel, so, Kalayim. Uh, which is a more severe prohibition, should certainly expand even to outside Eretz And the same thing could apply to Arla in, in two of these ways. Yeah, that it's always that it's always uh, forbidden, and it's uh, you're not allowed to benefit from it. Rabbi Lazar ben Shimon Aimer, Rabbi Lazar, but Rabbi Lazar ber Rabbi Shimon says, we now turn to the top of Lamed Chesam Ben Beis. Comments in the Stavi saw Kadim Kisos Laritz, any mitzvah that Benayisol was commanded before entering Eretz Yisrael, Nehegas Bein Baris Bein Mechutz Laritz, the Achar Kisos Laritz, any mitzvah that only started once we entered Eretz Yisrael in Nehegas Al Baris that does not expand outside Eretz Yisrael. Remember, Rebel Yezer's opinion in the Mishnah was there's no obligation of Yashon outside Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because he says like this: the whole prohibition of eating new grain started once I came into Eretz Yisrael. Why didn't it happen prior? When I was in the desert, why, 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 why didn't it exist? Because it's outside Eretz Yisrael. So now that I enter Eretz Yisrael and I land and I dwell there, you, the prohibition starts. Well, guess what? That means whatever is prohibited as you enter Eretz Yisrael stays in Eretz Yisrael. 
it doesn't now apply outside Eretz Yisrael. Chutz min and it goes chutz except for min hashmatas ksafim, the shmita of loans. Right, that's why we have a prusbul to keep loans going, giving it over to bezdin mishluach avodim, and sending out servants in the year of yivel. That applies anywhere you live. Even though these were commanded. And a mitzvah only after only after entering Eretz Yisrael, lehigas bein baaretz bein bechuzlaaretz, it applies everywhere. Okay, so that's the machlekas in the Tanakama and Rebbe Eliezer says the Gemara. Hashmatas ksafim chaybas agufu. I don't understand something. You know, Eliezer says that you know any any mitzvah that's dependent on the land once you enter Eretz Yisrael applies in Eretz Yisrael except for cancellation of loans by shmita. Says the Gemara. Cancellation of loans by Shemitah—that's a—that's a obligation on the person, and therefore, it has nothing to do with the land, specifically of Eretz Yisrael. Why did Rebbe Lazar include that in his exception? By says Gemara, he listed it because of the following brisa: the Tanya, Rebbe Yomer, the Zed Devar Hashmita, and this the halacha of Shemitah, Shomite you cancel out, you remove ownership. So it says the word Shemitah twice. What's referring to Shemitah of the land? What's referring to Shemitah? Moving ownership over money that is owed to you. Okay? Very good. And therefore, Abel Lazar wants to list this as one of the chutz as one of the exceptions to the rule, because you're right, even though it's a personal obligation, it's dependent on regular Shemitah of Eretz Yisrael. Maybe, if you're going to compare the law of giving up ownership over loans to the law of giving up ownership over land, why don't we say that the same way there's no Shemitah outside Eretz Yisrael on land, there's no Shemitah and there's no cancellation of loans outside Eretz Yisrael either. Says the Gemara Tamalemar Ki Ki Krosh Shmita Lashem. Because the year is called the year of Shmita Tashem, which means anywhere that it's called, Mikol Makam, which is beautiful. You know what the Gemara is saying? The Gemara is saying last year, two years ago now, was a Shmita year. Okay? Tavshim Pei Beis. It was the year of Shmita, 5782. The year of Shemitah is called Shemitah even for us who live in Chutzlaretz. We don't have to be nervous about the laws of the fruits. But is it Shemitah? Avada vada. Certainly. It's the Shemitah for, every, for all of Klai Yisrael. It's the Shemitah for all of Klai Yisrael. There's no question about it. And therefore says the Gemara, Kikra Shemitah Lashem. Wherever the word Shemitah is called, which is everywhere across planet Earth, that's where you're going to have Shemitah's Ksofim, cancellation of loans, and hence, if you don't want your loan to be canceled in St. Louis, or wherever you, you are across the globe, you have to write a prosbol. Okay. Says the Gemara, one mitzvah, Pause. Rabbi Yezra said, every mitzvah that started as we entered Eretz Yisrael stays in Eretz Yisrael. Two exceptions. Exception number one was Shemitah of loans, of money. 
That was an exception that applies everywhere. We just showed why. His other exception was freeing your servants by Yovel. Even though the mitzvah of Yovel started after we started settling in Eretz Yisrael, but it start, but that the obligation that Yovel brings about to free your servants applies everywhere across the world. And now we want to know why. If it's a mitzvah that only started when we entered Eretz Yisrael, why is it that owners everywhere are obligated to free their avadim? See, here we go. Shiluach avadim yeah, so of course should apply everywhere. So that the chamina across from the it's it's a calling out of freedom. Ba'aretz in your land, I would say ba'aretz in your land of Eretz Yisrael. There's a mitzvah of yevil, the chutz but there's no proclamation of freedom to servants outside Eretz Yisrael. So Tamar Lamer yevil So let us know that the same way. And we live outside Eretz Yisrael, it's still called Shemitah. So too outside Eretz Yisrael, it's called Yevil. Wherever Yevil is called out, you have an obligation to free your servants. One second. If it applies everywhere across the globe, you got to free your servants. So why did the Pasuk say you cross them? There are Ba'aretz. You got to call out freedom in your land, in the land of Eretz Yisrael. What do you mean? It's not only Eretz Yisrael. Why'd you say the land? And for the Gemara, the Gemara answers, It means like this. Whenever you have a mitzvah of Yavil in Eretz Yisrael, whenever the laws of Yavil apply in Eretz Yisrael, it applies outside Eretz Yisrael too. So, do we have laws of Yavil outside Eretz Yisrael? You betcha. But only when in Eretz Yisrael, they're keeping the laws of Yavil as well. If there's no Yavel in Eretz like nowadays, currently, there's no there's a Mitzvah Shemitah, but there's no laws of Yavel, because there's certain parameters needed for Yavel to be effective. For example, majority of Klal Yisrael has already made their, their way back to Eretz Yisrael in order for it to be considered settled on, and so on and so forth. So then, there's uh, no obligation outside. Hence, that's why it says Baaretz. Not to teach me only in Eretz Yisrael, but teach me when you have an Eretz Yisrael, it applies everywhere. Beautiful. We learned in the mission elsewhere. It is prohibited to eat from the new grain anywhere across the globe. Arla halacha. Arla za halacha. Viklayim midivrei seifer. The prohibition of eating the forbidden mixed seeds is rabbinic. So it says. Chadash is Aser. Arla Halacha. Klayim Rabbinic. What does this mean? My Halacha. What does it mean that Arla is a Halacha? Amr Shmuel, Amr Shmuel, Hilchas Amidina. It means it depends on your Medina, on uh, your area where you live. Okay? It's like a Minagamakam, so to speak. It's what accepted practice to keep the laws of Arla. What Allah means is, it's not specifically written in the Torah, but it's passed down mouth to mouth, man to man, from Aish Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. Okay? So again, what's uh, what does it mean, Arla Zalacha? One approach is, it's kind of like a minigamakum. If you live in an area where they keep it, Givalt, good. Now again, what do you mean? It means outside Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, this for sure, Arla. 
outside Eretz Yisrael, if they're careful about Arla, you got to keep be careful about it. That's the halacha. The other approach is it's halacha l'mayshvina. It's passed down. So Amar Ula Rav Yehuda, Ula says Rav Yehuda, Bish to Malididi Damin halacha l'mayshvina. It's understandable according to me. I say the whole thing is halacha l'mayshvina. I handle the shani lam bein safik Arla safik client. So you can make a difference between when you have a you're in doubt whether something is Arla grown in the first three years of a fruit tree, or you have a, you're in doubt whether something is kliyim. So, we'll be more strict in that case. The Tanam, we learned in the Mishnah. Suffolk Arla, if you're in doubt whether fruit is Arla, so it depends. But Aretz, if you're in Israel, Eretz Yisrael, Aser, you're not allowed to have it. The Surya, if you're outside Eretz Yisrael and Surya, then Mutter, it's permitted to have Suffolk Arla. The Chutzla Aretz, outside Eretz Yisrael, Yairid, one's allowed to go down, Vilaikeach, Ubovad, Shalayir Enu, Laikate. You can go down and uh, collect as long as, um, which means you could go outside Eretz Yisrael and um, buy fruit from a non-Jew as long as you don't know this non-Jew is taking the fruit from an Arla tree. Let me explain. It's very simple. I go into Schnucks. They're selling apples. The first three years... Of a tree, it's only pomegranates. First three years of a tree, you're not allowed to eat. Do I need to go check the non-Jewish owners in Chutzlaretz and make sure? Do we need a mashkiach on every uh, fruit farm, making sure that the fruits are coming from post three year trees? So he says no. When it comes to laws of Arla. You don't need to be. You don't need to make sure of that. If you're going to buy fruits from a non-Jew, unless you see him specifically picking from an arla tree, you're fine. The ilugabe klayim tanan, but by the laws of klayim, forbidden mixtures, we learned in the Mishnah, kerem hanatua yarak, v'yinimkar chutzalei. If let's say you have a kerem a vineyard, a vineyard that has vegetables that are being grown in the vineyard, which is a prohibition. You're not allowed to have everything. You're not allowed to have vegetables and fruits growing together. And then you see them being sold outside, so outside the, the vineyard. Ba'aretz, if you're in Eretz Yisrael, Aser, you cannot purchase. Besoria, if you're outside Eretz Yisrael, Mutter, it's allowed. Again, you're in doubt. You're in doubt. I don't know, but there's a chance because it's being sold outside the vineyard. Bechutz la'aretz, <coughs> outside Eretz Yisrael, so you can have uh, you can go down and and uh, pick the vegetables as long as the yid himself doesn't pick it. Which see we see we're a lot more lenient on the laws of klayim outside Eretz Yisrael. Now, what would you learn from here? Since we're being more lenient on klayim than we are arla, I would say that klayim, when it comes to forbidden mixtures, it is rabbinic. So I could be lenient whenever I have a doubt. Or as long as I myself didn't pick it. When it comes to Arla, which is I need to be strict. So to me, this makes sense, says Ula. But according to you, that what does, what does Halacha mean? Halacha means it's rabbinic. So then everything's rabbinic. According to you, top of tomorrow's daf, both cases should have the same halacha. 
whether I'm dealing with the, the prohibition of kalayim, of forbidden mixtures outside, again, in diaspora, or I'm dealing with the laws of Arla in diaspora, it should all be the same halacha, because according to your understanding, it's all rabbinic. Either, either you could go down, make up your mind. Why are we creating different halachas? They're both rabbinic. Arla, should, uh, Arla should, and, and Klayim should both be consistent. And we see from this b'risa, it's not. Because, again, our b'risa says by Arla, you got to be strict. And the strictness is that you can purchase it as long as you don't know. While by Klayim, you could mamish even see him take it out. We're being lenient. Yeah, it's wild. Why, why, why are we allowing such a thing? Says the Gemara... The Gemara says, last step, you're right. He changes the b'risa and he says they're both consistent in halacha. Okay, we're going to hold it here. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.